Welcome to the Freedom from Anxiety podcast. I'm Trisha Easter, and my husband, Marty, is here with me. Hey, good afternoon. So it's actually a really nice day here. Um, actually, it's nighttime, and it's been snowing all day. How much do you think we've got? Uh, maybe a foot, close to a foot. You think a foot of snow, yeah. And so we just got back from a nighttime walk. We like to sometimes go for walks at nighttime with trails that we know, but we you know, put headlamps on and... So it's it really quite magical to kind of go for a walk in the woods behind our house, and especially since it just snowed. And so I also, um, I do post some of my walks in the woods on my Instagram. So if you ever want to, some of it's from the the woods and the trails behind my house, some of it's other hikes that we go on. So if you want to ever check those out, head on over to my Instagram page, which is Angels Gold Healing. That's the handle. So I hope everybody had nice a nice holiday. Yeah, I think for us, you weren't feeling very well. I, I was sick. I I think I had um, I'm guess I don't know. I, th- I think I had COVID. Yeah, so I definitely weren't feeling well. Um, but in in some ways, for the rest of us, it kind of made us slow down. And I I think I've said that it was the closest thing to a true staycation I've ever actually taken. We stayed at home. I think I cooked more than I usually do, and we relaxed and read and watched some movies and had a, it was it was pretty nice. And it was nice for me being sick to feel like I think when the kids were younger I always felt like I couldn't be sick, I had to take care of them. So this time I just really I mean I I, I just really rested and I let myself be taken care of and took baths, read books. We we have a infrared sauna in the basement spent some time in that. So that all that helped me to feel better. So I hope everybody listening had a um, really nice Christmas and New Year's. So the next chapter we're covering for the podcast today is the second chapter of my book, Bold Trust, Six Steps to Unravel the Long-Term Effects of Gaslighting, Unapologetically Trust Yourself and Heal Anxiety. So we're covering chapter two, which is I trust myself to eat and exercise intuitively. Yeah, uh, this is one of my favorite chapters because it's about two things that I like to do, eat and exercise. <laughs> okay. So before we get started, um, just a reminder, with this podcast, it's really important to remind you that with anxiety, you've one, you've done nothing wrong. You haven't done anything to manifest anxiety. You're not um, incorrectly handling emotions or feelings. These are just outdated views. You're not alone. More than 42 million Americans have anxiety. um, And I believe that number is actually bigger. It's just because of the stigma. Most people don't talk about it. And two, to know that you can heal anxiety. I think towards, you know, the end of 20 years of trying to heal anxiety. And I think in the last podcast, I talked about a counselor that I went to who was just very ineffective basically told me that, oh, it's in your genetics. You're going to have anxiety for the rest of your life. That's not true. You can heal anxiety. It's not something that you have to have the rest of your life. It, you know, my path to healing anxiety has helped me to open my eyes to see the truth behind why I had anxiety. Anxiety, I feel is more of your body's trying to tell you something. And it's uh, so there really isn't something wrong with you. It's more 
what's going or going on around me. Um, and anxiety tends to disrupt trust in ourselves. You know, there's a belief that our mind, something that's not working properly in our mind and our body. And again, this isn't the truth. <laughs> um, anxiety doesn't mean there's a problem with you or with me, but rather there's that there's problems with the world around us. We've been gaslit to believe that we're the problem. And that needs to change so that we can find ways rather than, you know, there's, there's a belief that we need to change who we are fundamentally because we have anxiety. When the truth is we just need to learn tools and techniques of how to function comfortably in a dysfunctional world. Um, we don't need to change who we are. I just instead adapt these precautions, you know, in our, into our daily lives. We need to tune into ourselves and our souls instead of listening to the dysfunction around us. The last episode, we talked about trusting our feelings and emotions, how, and they serve as our personal compass to guide us to what is healing for us and ultimately to our freedom and our soul freedom, which is what our souls crave, which is also freedom from anxiety. Learning to trust ourselves about how to eat and how to move is part of that freedom and part of that separating ourselves from these dysfunctional narratives that we are inundated with throughout our lives and every day. Trusting ourselves to eat and exercise exercise intuitively restores a primal trust, like a basic trust in ourselves that significantly helps us to continue to build unmovable self-trust in ourselves so that someone ever tries to gaslight us again, invalidate us, or tries to feed us narratives that don't resonate with us, that aren't true for us, we're, then we're just, our response is like, no, I, I'm not, I don't believe that. I'm not going to believe that. That's going to be an immovable self-trust where there's not even a doubt that we're like, no, that's wrong. That, that, that's not right for me. And that's enough. You can have that. And that's why the last, the last episode about trusting your feelings and emotions is so important. You can make that decision just based on a feeling, that feeling of, no, that's not right. And you don't need, everyone tries to you know, suggest you need all this evidence to back it up. You don't need that evidence. If it's just based on your feelings, that is enough. However, over time, the evidence will prove that you're right. Exercise and and eating and the, our food has always been a big part of our you know our time together as long as we've been uh, married. Um, but what was exercise and nutrition like for you growing up? So for me, let's see. I growing up, my family was not. You know, I grew up in a single parent household. Neither parent cooked. And, you know, we, we went to McDonald's, we did TV dinners. Um, and I think even worse than that is I, we regularly skipped meals, which I think is so bad for children, lots of sugar. Um, we didn't eat meals together. And I think I want to say in high school, I started drinking coffee. So a lot of my eating was focused on to keep, keep going, keep moving, just kind of you know, not, not resting. I just needed to keep going. Event, you know, um, I want to say though, my exercise growing up was probably more intuitive, more, more natural, you know, riding my bike in the neighborhood, 
walking in the woods behind my house, exploring the woods, walking to and from school. I did, you know, high school sports, track, cross country and swimming. Really, I just, I did what I enjoyed. So I felt, you know, my exercise, I think was more natural. My eating was not, (laughs) um, I had a lot to learn. So in my early twenties, about a year after we got, Marty and I got married, I started seeing a holistic nutritionist and I was, you know, it was mixed feelings with it because I, I, I felt better to a point. However, if there was ever a new symptom that came up, it was like, Oh, your body's, you know, you're, you know, sensitive to yet another food, your body's reacting to this. So it built a strong distrust in my body. So that was a, a long cycle of not trusting my body and feeling like I needed to see somebody to see what was going on with what I ate. And I stopped listening to, you know, what appealed to me, what I wasn't even even listening to how I felt when I ate these foods. I was just so focused on following either a, an eating plan or what someone or what it, like a, a nutritionist gave, told me to eat. I did feel, I think, however, that nutrition did hold the answers to my anxiety. In fact, I really wished it was just nutrition. I think nutrition is part of the equation, but it's not right. not, not everything. Um, yeah. And I think nutrition, finding the right nutrition for me did help start my healing process. But, you know, but I, so I was very passionate about it. I eventually got certified in nutrition, personal nutrition and sports nutrition. So to back up a little bit about my, my path with nutrition is one thing to talk about, you know, I started drinking coffee in high school and that I don't think was good because I grew up in a very tense, dysfunctional household. And then you add caffeine on top of that. And that just probably compounded the tension that I felt. Sure. Yeah. I think when I needed comfort and relaxation, it made things, made things worse. Yeah. And it only made you more uh, on alert and tense, which is not what you yeah. agreed you needed to be. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was in college, I, you know, worked in a coffee shop. I, you know, I didn't eat well in college. I, you know, it was, cafeteria food, fast food. I, I think I skipped meals then too. Um, cause I grew up with skipping meals and I, you know, and I think that is just so dangerous cause it depletes your adrenal glands. And so I know I continue to do that, you know, just not even thinking about it. Like, Oh, I think cause you know, caffeine suppresses your hunger. So not realizing I probably was hungry, not eating, and so I worked in a coffee shop in college and to, so I got, you know, more coffee then. <laughs> and then when I was studying for, you know, if I had to study for exams, I can remember drinking caffeine all night, be it sodas or coffee and eating peppermint patties. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, what was I, what was I doing? <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I, I think about some of the things. Like, I, yeah, I grew up in rural Virginia, exercise. I won't say, I think I was fairly active, but it wasn't the normal kind of exercise, right? I mean, not like I think of exercise now. 
with runs and things like that. I mean, yeah, I sometimes kind of rode my bike and we go run around and do stuff and go play in the woods some, but not like, not even as much exercise as our kids get, right? And then, yeah, you're talking about peppermint patties. I could give you a whole list of things that got me through working in the summers and oatmeal cream pies and bologna sandwiches and Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. Yeah. Me and my friend would split a two liter of Mountain Dew every day for, for work. Um, so yeah, I, I, I look back on some of those things and go, hey, I just didn't know. Right. Didn't I mean, know. but it, um, you just don't know. Right. It just seemed, seemed like the, like the, it seemed fine. And I guess, you know, it's the benefit of being young. You don't realize that you survive that stuff cause you don't know any better, but yeah, I drive, I walk by the, the oatmeal cream pies now in the grocery store and I, they don't even look good in now, you know, it's like, just, so didn't you have one recently? No, I mean, I, I, I had like a moon pie. Moon pie. I had a moon pie. Yeah. That's not nearly as good as I remembered it. And right. I think the kids tried it. They, they, were, they were not impressed. They're like, oh, this is nasty. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, I know, you know, I, I, I can, you know, for me at least, I think for you too, we just didn't know any better. Right. And so we've gone from, that, you know, I don't, I don't know, is, is ignorance the right word? Yeah, ignorance is the right word. Just not knowing not any knowing. better. And for me, not, I was like, I didn't even question. I didn't, you know, I don't even think I could, I would put together like, hey, I'm eating this caffeine so I can keep going. I'm eating this sugar so I keep can keep going. I, you know, I, I just did it. I never questioned it. So I think we've gone from one extreme. Right. To another extreme where, you know, getting involved in holistic nutrition. And now today, nutrition is much more mainstream, but it's become so militaristic. And there's this whole other set of problems where you're trying to eat perfectly. But so to before I get started on that, I'm going to back up a little bit, too. I was going to talk about, um, you know, where Marty grew up in rural Virginia, when we've gone back, so we, we haven't gone back in years, but when we did go back, we would go outside to, for a run on these roads, these dirt roads yeah, or walk. And people would literally look at us like we were crazy. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah, cause it was always a road trip to get that right. So you, mm-hmm. you, you spend all that time in the car and you want to get out and move around and get the blood going and you go out and try to run a few miles and yeah, it is, I mean, I, I'm trying to find a good metaphor for what people looked at us like, but yeah, it's like we had two heads or something. It was, yeah. I mean, it was just the most insane thing they had ever seen for somebody to be out and running a road. And that combined with, I don't think those roads were meant to be walked on or run on because and there was no sidewalks. Obviously. No sidewalks. Dogs were loose dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah. So it's just different. So I want to say it was after we got married, I started cutting back on my caffeine. Yeah. I think Marty thought I was a little grumpy with caffeine. Well, yeah, because I'm a morning person by nature. And so I just wake up and I'm ready to go. And then, I, you know, Trish working in a coffee shop all those years, she was used to the, the caffeine kick to get her rolling. So uh, I learned early on to to bring a nice cup of coffee in the morning. But we also figured out that wasn't like 
exactly where we wanted to be. Something you could, you know, still have sometimes here or there, but not like every morning and have to have it to get going. Well, yeah. So I, I mean, and I think even as I, so we, so I cut back on caffeine. I think rather than drinking caffeinated sodas, we moved to what non-caffeinated sodas. Yeah. Which now it's like no caffeine. We start our day with celery juice. Um, we don't even do sodas. Um, right. We haven't done sodas in twenty plus years. So it's it's just. Um, but that's I think when you know we first started to. I think try to eat better, and then when I started having anxiety, I went to a conventional doctor, and she said that you know there's nothing more we can do for you with anxiety and she recommended a holistic nutritionist and she gave me some other ones too, like maybe like a, some other options. But I think the nutritionist seemed somebody who was coming from not much experience with anything holistic or alternative. I was like, you know, the nutritionist seems like the most mainstream. I'll, I'll stick with that. But she was a holistic nutritionist, and, and again, it was helpful. And they focused on what can said I had candida and implementing organic foods and no fruits to help get rid of the candida, which having eating no, you know, not eliminating fruits from my diet for 20 years was probably one of the worst things I could have done for my health because your body needs that glucose. I think I might have some blogs about this. Um, if that's something you want more information on, let me know and I can do some more blogs about, I should do that, do that. I can do a whole blog about the importance of fruits in your diet. Um, your liver needs it, your brain needs it. So eventually these holistic nutritionists over the 20 years that I went to them and that counselor I saw too was part of this group of nutritionists, they eventually kind of moved to a paleo diet, which again is not good for with my it wasn't good for me for healing anxiety because you do need you do need fruits and you shouldn't eat tons some meat's okay but not not a ton of meat and so every new symptom I had working with these nutritionists I was told my body wasn't doing something right and I think I mentioned before you know another allergy or sensitivity to another food and it I lost trust in my body and my mind. So eventually I found the medical medium information and I've had the best results from with him. And, and he recommends more fruits, vegetables, actually I should say lots of fruits in your diet, vegetables, celery juice, wild foods, which um, I think we mostly do uh, blueberries, oh, nice, wild yeah. blueberries, herbs. And so views food as medicine and, Oh, you know, along those lines, like every bite counts. And so I did, I, I was a vegan for, I think, over a year, which, yes, I know the rest of the family didn't like it. Those were dark days. <laughs> so it was the, my, my diet became too structured. I lost the joy of eating. I, what I, you know, eventually I got to the point, it's like, I just want to go out and have a meal with Marty or my family and just not have all this pressure and stress. It became too much stress and too much pressure. And it became very perfectionistic. Is that a word? I think so. It is now. 
So with the medical medium information, I had the best results. However, because it was feeling like too much structure for me, I had to get to this place. Well, I, I want to say, I again, I had devoted more than 20 years to studying nutrition, trying new diets. I was just fascinated with nutrition. And finally, I just kept having these thoughts come in like enough. Like I, 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 my body, my mind, my soul needed a break. Like this is, it just wanted to just enjoy eating. And I don't want to say like binging or eating junk food all the time, but just have more fun with it and be a little bit more carefree with it. So I still mostly do the medical medium stuff. Like I said, I start my day with celery juice most days. So that's one area. Um, instead of doing it every day, we do it about five days a week. Yeah. And then, because I need a couple days a week just to wake up and start my day with just a cup of tea. Because starting, you know, I, while I feel great drinking the celery juice, sometimes it can feel hard to get celery juice down first in the first thing in the morning. I've been doing celery juice for seven years. Yeah, I guess so. And it's fantastic and it's great and it's wonderful and healing. But, and I, you know, and I may cut back that even more because sometimes I just want to have something that I'm a little bit excited to wake up and drink, I guess. Something warm on a New England winter day. Yeah. And then also um, exercise became very, you know, I I think I talked about like, you know, as a child and in high school, just doing what was fun for me. But then as I got older, I started to run more races and I would do training plans for different races, half marathons. I've done just one marathon. And then in between, I would do P90X, and it just became, you know, I ran, rather than just going, throwing my shoes on and going for a run, I would put on a running watch and keep track of the distance and keep track of the time. It lost just some of the, the lightness with it. It mm -hmm. became so structured and started to feel kind of heavy, um, which eventually led to some injuries as well. So. How would you define gaslighting of your own body? So this is a section in chapter two. So gaslighting your body is forcing yourself to eat a certain way or do a certain amount of exercise and not listening to what your body actually needs. So an example of that, which I have in the book is, and I actually know somebody who's allergic to apples which can sound bizarre, right? Because apples are supposed to be so good for you. However, if you're having a reaction to eating apples and they're not good for you. So it's about not, even though what's supposed to be good for you, listening to what is or is not good for you. And even like in terms of the, you know, holistic health community, if you're eating an apple and having a reaction, it could be a detox symptom. But I believe even then, don't eat the apple. You don't need to put yourself through that detox other ways that are more comfortable and you don't have mm -hmm. to, to do that. I also, like for me, during this, you know, learning about nutrition and 
trying to bring some balance back with that in my life, I've learned that while vegan and raw foods diets can be very good for people, they don't work for me. For me, when I feel hungry, that I've, I feel like when I did vegan, I was always hungry. And that spurs, I guess, like panic adrenaline in me. I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's the last thing you need when you're healing anxiety is even more adrenaline in your body. Right. I feel like as good nutrition and exercise plans have become more mainstream. They're each claiming to know what's best for you. I also feel like as they're becoming more mainstream, they're also becoming more manipulative. And we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. And it's also in the book as well, that there is no one size fits all nutrition or exercise plan that works for everybody because everybody is different. And it's honoring our differences that sets us on our unique healing path if we start making choices that are that are the best for us rather than what's supposed to be good for us and yeah it can be scary saying okay I know this is supposed to be good for me but I'm going to try this instead that can be terrifying but as we continue to build this trust in ourselves especially when it comes to something so uh, foundational as what we eat, what we put into our bodies and how we move our bodies, then it's, it becomes very empowering when you start listening to yourself. We've been programmed not to trust ourselves, but as we begin to build this trust, that is where the healing takes place. So with all these differences we have and there's all these diets that say they're the only way, you know, so it's chasing this perception of a perfect diet and exercise, you know, kind of like, Kind of a form of gaslighting for our bodies? Yes. I believe trying to push eating and either people who are pushing these diets and exercise plans, that's a form of gaslighting. It has worked for them, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. People that, that are trying to implement them, even though they're not feeling necessarily good or they're not listening to their own body you're gaslighting yourself which we've again been trained to gaslight ourselves and not listen to our bodies so eating and exercising perfectly I feel like is becoming more mainstream it's it's militaristic there's too much structure some structure is good but too much structure tunes you out of your body you're not listening you know, again, with my when I did um, training plans with my running, I would stick to them. I there there was no flexibility. I I and that was how I applied them. I wasn't flexible with them at all. So if I wasn't feeling good or if I was sick, I would push through and do the training plan. Right. And I don't think that's like you know, a training plan is good. It gives you a. It should be more like of a like a an outline of what you need to do. However you need to adjust it to how it fits you. And that varies day by day, really minute by minute. Right. And I think with, with eating and exercising, we need to, to counteract the effects, the fear, the adrenaline, the, the tension, everything that comes with anxiety. We need to implement more joy, more flex- flexibility, more, passion 
in every aspect of our lives as we can to push out, you know, fear and anxiety. The more joy you incorporate, the more you counteract the effects of anxiety. Um, And so we need to implement more joy and passion and flexibility with food and how we move our bodies. Mm -hmm. And talking about adrenaline, I talk about the, you know, I always refer back to anxiety and the adrenaline cycle in my blogs because it is really important. And I have a, so obviously I have a blog on my website called Anxiety and the Adrenaline Cycle. So what happens is with anxiety, when you have, when you have either kind of like low level anxiety all the time, or if you're having an anxiety attack, your body produces adrenaline. And according to the medical medium information, it's heavy metals. Anxiety is caused by heavy metals and viruses in our bodies like Epstein-Barr virus or strep. So when you have, when your body produces adrenaline, when you have anxiety, adrenaline is one of the favorite foods and heavy metals as well. Of the, These viruses eat and it's the, I want to say it's the neurotoxins that becomes problematic with anxiety. That's what becomes highly toxic and can damage your nervous system. So when you produce adrenaline, it feeds the viruses that cause anxiety. So the viruses become stronger, causing more anxiety and producing more adrenaline. So it becomes this really strong cyclical cycle. Excuse me. It becomes this really strong cycle that it's imperative that it we disrupt that cycle. We add more, like I said, add more joy. Take out some of, if there's any like adrenaline-related activities going on, not pushing your body, listening to your body, all of that helps to bring down that adrenaline in your body and help heal anxiety. Constant adrenaline is very corrosive to your body, to your organs, to your nervous system, your endocrine system, endocrine system, excuse me, and immune system. Now, perfect eating cannot combat the effects of adrenaline. That only it only works to a point. So, to heal anxiety, the adrenaline cycle must be broken. The stress, and so one, and so we all have stress every day. So, I don't want you to stress out about just your normal stresses in life. However, let's take off our plates the stress of eating and exercising properly. So, and because otherwise, I mean, that just takes a toll on our bodies and as well as on our minds, just the stress of it. And, and additionally, too, anxiety, anxiety and adrenal fatigue usually go hand in hand because as your body is continually pumping out adrenaline, it depletes your adrenal glands. And so adrenal fatigue is very common with anxiety and it's important to take care of our adrenals as well. Again, I can do another blog post about adrenal fatigue and how to take care of your adrenals to help build your your physical health as you as you're healing anxiety and also to make you physically strong so you can 
better handle the more emotional and spiritual aspects of healing anxiety. So can you talk about manipulating our bodies? Uh, you know, sometimes you'll read about it in terms of like hacking. People talk about hacking their workouts, hacking their diet, hacking their fitness. Yeah, that's, that's one of my, that's another pet peeve of mine. Because I feel like we are programmed to manipulate our bodies. I've seen it. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how, if men do it that commonly, but I can, I definitely say as a woman, I've seen so many women do this to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with diet, with, you know, through their diet, with caffeine and sugar to keep pushing themselves, to push themselves through a workout to the sugar, you know, also gives, you know, gives the impression of extra energy, which I think I've been guilty of all of this myself. Or, and then once you're pumped up from all this sugar and caffeine, then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, let's go have that glass of wine or whatever to help, you know, calm your body down. So we're constantly trying to manipulate our bodies one way or another. Uh, I mean, we had someone come stay with us once who came to visit, I mean, drinking caffeine all day. And then at night they couldn't go to sleep, so they took a sleeping, sleeping pill. pill. Yeah, it's like that. It's it's too much. That's we're not respecting. You're not respecting your body by doing that, and you're causing I think more harm than good. And and I want to say part of the programming too. It comes from to keep pushing our bodies and manipulating our bodies. I'm going to share a story about when I went to an urgent care doctor. I don't normally go to the doctor for a lot of things, but there are, there's a time and a place for it. And I went to an urgent care doctor to see, I had a, you know, Marty keeps bees and I got stung, I think on my eyelid by him. So my eye, I woke up in the morning, my eye was swollen shut and Marty came with me and he was surprised because, well, first of all, cause she gave me like a, what did she get? Like Claritin? That was something else, something stronger, I thought. Well, she gave me a steroid to help with it. And, you know, Marty was surprised because I was like, hey, um, was it the steroid, I think? I think it was, it was the steroid. A steroid, yeah. He was surprised. I was like, hey, I'm, I told her, I was like, I am sensitive to medications. Do I need to take this full amount? She's like, oh, no, you can just do half. That's perfectly fine. And so Marty came out just shocked because, one, it's like, why do they do that? Why do they immediately go to the full amount, this maximum amount? And two, he's like, you can do that at the doctor's? You can advocate for yourself? Yeah, it was the both of those things. I assumed that they would give you the right answer, and that was that. But um, it was the, well, it's really a range, and they went high, and apparently it's negotiable. Yeah, and I want to say, too, I think she also gave me some Claritin or something like that. And it was like a 12-hour one. I was like, I do not want something that's going to last for 12 hours in my body. But also she gave me one that had some type of like stimulant in it because that was so I wouldn't get drowsy. I'm like, look, I got stung on the eyelid by a bee. If I happen to fall asleep as my body is healing this, that is okay. So it just seemed... It was like, oh no, you can't, you can't rest. You had something happen to you. You can't rest. You got to keep going. Take this medication so you can keep going. 
Yep, and the story has a happy ending. Trish says, I got better, and I still have the bees, so it all worked out. So I think there's a lot of a lot of glory when we push ourselves. Sure. So I remember, like, pre-COVID, there almost seemed to be, like, bragging rights. Like, hey, I was sick, and I still went to work, and I got through this and that. You know, and I was sick, and I, you know, still did all this stuff. It was almost like a, like a badge of honor to put on yourself if you continue to push yourself. However, with COVID, I feel like we've gone to the exact opposite extreme. At the slightest symptom, you need to stay home, rest, and have it. But I feel like there needs to be something. It needs to be, I'm hoping eventually we kind of become more balanced right. with that approach as well. Right. Yeah, so, so what's the antidote to manipulation? The, and I believe the antidote to manipulating your body is nourishing your body. It takes... When you talk about nourishment, it takes your mind, your body, your soul, all of that into account instead of just, okay, I want to lose weight, so I need to do this. Or I need to keep working until this time at night, so I need to take that. It takes everything into account. And I'm going to read a passage from this book because it, it puts it, it explains it, I think, pretty well. When you think about nutrition and exercise as nourishment, it shifts your perception of how you move and what you eat. The word nourishment brings your emotional and spiritual health into the equation in addition to your physical health. It's about feeding the body, mind, and soul. Nourishment brings you back to wholeness. If eating and exercise becomes too methodical, you're not being nourished. It's a lack of fluidity and softness that is necessary to heal and to be healthy in general. Nourishment is about going with the flow and giving yourself room to be human. What you need one day will be different from the next day, depending on the external circumstances surrounding you in addition to internal changes and shifts in your body. Being in tune with yourself will allow you to adjust and adapt to these changes. You won't always have it right, and that's okay. Just as long as you keep tuning in, listening, and doing your best, you'll be on track. So some ideas, some nourishment ideas, and these are just... A few ideas from my book are take a nap, go for a walk, take a bath, meditate, sit in the sunlight for five to ten minutes, dance, listen to music, write in your journal, get a massage, take an art class, cook creatively, or take a cooking class. Anything that you feel is kind of feeding your mind, body, and soul. So nourishing is about savoring and some words I think of with, with uh, nourishment are savoring, resting, recharging, recuperating, tuning in, listening. And so in this section, too, I also talk about this person I know who, when I mentioned I was, I came back from a college break and I was trying to eat healthy and because they asked me if I wanted a donut and I was like, no, thanks. I'm trying to eat healthy. And as they were eating donuts, they said, oh, you have to feed your soul. And at the, at the time I was like, whatever, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm still going to try to eat healthy. I thought it was really kind of bizarre, but you know, donuts yeah. feeding your soul. But then as I was writing this chapter, I'm like, ah, they were onto something. I don't think it's necessarily through donuts. But I think it's like sometimes even the occasional treat can be nourishment. Like, again, it's not eating perfectly. If you want that 
that piece of cake, you know, get a really nice cake, not something, you know, it's about, I would say more about the quality of it. Right. You know, put it on a pretty plate, light some candles, feel, you know, make it feel like really decadent. And I feel like that in itself is nourishing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like nourishment is essentially self-care coupled with self-love. So in uh, chapter two, you introduce this concept of intuitive eating. So what, what is intuitive eating? So I'm actually really appreciative of this because um, my holistic support um, person I talked to, Kat, she's the one that helped me think of this whole concept of intuitive eating about trusting your body to see what you need to nourish yourself. And I think it's about mindfulness because you have to keep checking in with yourself and saying, you know, eat every time you eat or, you know, for exercise, every time you move, like, does this feel good? You know, does it feel good in my body when I, when I think about this? And so it's really requiring you to really tune in and listen. And it's all about intuitive eating, about making you feel safe and comfortable in your body. And it's not, again, not about eating perfectly, but it's about doing your best at any given time, what's best for your body, your lifestyle, and your budget. And your best, it will always be good enough. So there are four steps for intuitive eating. The first step is keeping it simple. Meal prep, meal plan, use a meal service, whatever you need to do for eating and meals times to be to feel less stressful. I I use a combination of all of them. I I, I want to say like when we've been like in the middle of a move, we've used meal services where you get like a mm. they prepare like you buy like I don't know ten meals and you come home and you warm it up. Um, after I had you know some of my kids, I did this as well. And I think right now mostly I just do meal planning, meal prepping. And now that our middle one is in college, I cook a lot less. I didn't realize how much he was eating. About half as much food for the household. Yeah. So I only cook, I think, like three, four times a week. And what's also nice, too, is Marty and the kids have been involved with the cooking as well, which is huge. Sure. The second step is to observe how you feel both before and after you eat, whether it's a meal, whether it's a snack. So on my website, angelsgoldhealing.com, under Bold Trust, I have some worksheets you can download that have these questions for you. It's like a sheet that you can log all this information in to help you tune back into intuitive eating. And so some of the questions you ask, you know, to ask yourself before, during, after meals is, these are from my book, what foods sound good to you? How do you feel after you eat? Do you feel energized? Is your energy sustainable? Do you feel full after you eat? Do you feel bloated? Are you still hungry? Do you feel tired or lethargic after certain foods or meals? Those are just some of the questions to ask to kind of help kind of help you start thinking about how you're feeling and help you kind of tune in more to how how certain foods make you feel. The third step is to bring back joy. And I love this step because 
It absolutely has to be fun. And I think, honestly, when you're cooking, I mean, granted, some there's there are times when you're cooking and you're in a time crunch and it is stressful. That's just life. That just happens. Sure. But I think, too, when you can cook more with joy and have fun and be creative with it, I think that actually, I personally believe that energy gets infused into your fo- your food and it becomes that much, and it becomes more nourishing for you. So play music, set out flowers, make comfort foods that you enjoy, just help, you know, uh, substitute healthier ingredients or help, you know, different cooking techniques. It makes it better for you, but definitely bring back the joy. And the fourth step is to do your best. And as I said before, your best will always be enough. And sometimes it might be getting takeout. The best you can do, like healthiest version can do a takeout. Sometimes it could, you know, grocery stores now have more options in terms of pre-made meals as well. And they look pretty, pretty healthy to me too. Right. And so that goes along with, you know, the other part we've talked about today is the exercise part. So what is intuitive exercise? So pretty much the same as intuitive eating about being mindful about it, checking in before you exercise how you feel, how you feel afterwards. It's about, I would say more about um, moving sustainably as well as doing activities, you know, that you enjoy because if you enjoy it, you're more likely, it will feel less like a chore and you're more willing to show up the next day to do it again. And it may not be the same thing every day. Right. Yeah, variety is important, right? So I've been doing a little bit of running but I've also, in taking a, a break from running, I've been exploring, you know, I do, I think, more conditioning, more weights. But also, I can do those, too, because I'm also, there's also, and, and at times those are fun for me, but I also do more fun things. Like I do an adult tap class, um, an adult, it's kind of like Zumba, but it's more hip hop. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know I look ridiculous, but it's still fun. <laughs> and so it's about, so intuitive exercise is also is another form of nourishing yourself through movement, you know, incorporating different workouts. And I would say just different uh, fitness, fitness goals. And you know, I think most people, a lot of people, I think exercise is synonymous with losing weight. But I think as I'm getting older, I have a better, a different perspective. I would say better perspective that it's not just about weight. There's also building strength, feeling comfortable moving. Right. Living well. Mm-hmm. So there's three steps for intuitive exercise. The first one is just move every day. No judgments. Don't compare yourself to anybody. Don't compare yourself to, to even your younger self. I had a hard time with this because when I first started healing, my body was so tired from all the pushing and manipulating that I had done. And I didn't don't even think I did anything too extreme. I think we're all programmed to do this, that when I finally just, when we settled down in our house, we stopped moving, we, we bought our house, we stopped moving, my body was tired and I didn't have the energy to run. And when I did start running again, it was hard because I wasn't running like I was before. Mm -hmm. My body was healing. And so I had to just kind of 
put that aside and said, you know what, I just need to move every day. And that's that. Yeah. <laughs> the second step is balance. Finding the balance between doing and resting. I feel like with exercise, again, as a form of, you know, when people use it as a form of manipulation, we are, we forget, I, I feel like resting and recuperating and restoration, I don't even feel like it's being a part of the equation. We're just taught to keep going and keep moving and and it's and it's okay to have goals like that and fitness goals like that, but there needs to be time to rest. Your body needs to repair itself. Right. And the third and final step is to, just like with, um, you know, bring back joy and intuitive eating, the third step for intuitive exercise is keep it fun. So, you know, it's do exercises, like I said, that you enjoy. Like I said, I, I do tap, I do hip-hop, Zumba, <laughs> and other forms of exercise too. So again, on my website, I have um, another worksheet for intuitive exercise where you can keep track of how you feel before, during, right after, and then also 24 hours after you work out. Mm -hmm. And that will kind of, again, help you kind of tune back into how you're feeling. So ultimately, it's all about intention? Yes. I feel like with diet and exercise that it's intention goes a long way. Intention brings in mindfulness. It's not about doing it perfectly. It's about doing, it's about doing your best with your time, your budget, all these circumstances. And it's also about having fun with food and exercise and, and so in the book, I talk, I give an example of the difference between, let's say you pick up fast food on your way home and then you're just going to sit on the couch and binge watch TV. That intention, which has very, I feel like has very little mindfulness in it versus you're going to pick up the healthiest takeout you can find or the healthiest that works with you and your family and you're going to sit and have a family movie night mm -hmm. or a game night. I feel like the intention with that is much different. And again, I feel like it's that energy behind it. You bring that energy. Like if, like I said, if you're cooking with joy, that is going to, that energy goes into your food. Um, if you're cooking with passion, that goes with your food. And same thing with exercise is that having those and the right intention goes a long way. Both are, you know, both examples, essentially it's the same thing, but they just have very different intentions. Right. So thank you for listening to this third episode of Freedom from Anxiety. If you have any feedback, anything you would like us to talk about, let, let us know in the comments and uh, we can try to bring that into the next episode. And so thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon.